Great. I, I want to share with you uh, something this morning that um, this is the title. Sanitized or vitalized prayer you choose. Um, we have next Sunday, as Silas mentioned, another one of our welcome lunches. We've had several now, and it's just great to welcome new people um, into the church, as well as older folks. If you've not done the welcome lunch, then you're really uh, welcome to do it. And it's just an opportunity for us to introduce what is New Life Church all about? What does it mean to be a part of this church? And so we will be having one. And uh, in our welcome booklet, there is a statement that we make there in terms of that as a church, we are committed to prayer. Amen. Goes without saying, I guess, but it's incredibly important. We quote 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and forgive, says the Lord, and I will heal their land. This nation needs healing. It is broken. Europe needs healing. It is broken. And it is upon us as God's people to be prayerful for the healing of our land. And we say in this book that prayer is a very important part of our relationship with God. We encourage every member of this church to be a man or woman of prayer because we firmly believe that God does hear and answer prayer and that prayer changes things. In this church, you will be asked regularly to pray for many things, and we encourage you to be committed to prayer. So it's important for us as a church. So what is your attitude when it comes to prayer? Is prayer for you a shopping list? Like you write out, you go to Sainsbury's, Waitrose, Tesco, 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 Aldi, whatever. Is prayer just a shopping list? Or is prayer for you a breakdown truck? You know, when stuff goes a bit wrong, you know, let's call in the AA or the RAC, they'll fix. Or is prayer a 999 call? Something you use in an emergency? What is prayer for you? What is your attitude like? There's a, a couple who had two primary aged sons. They couldn't be more opposite. One was an absolute pessimist. Every day was gone. Everything about life was gone. He was just a total misery. The other son was a complete optimist. Every day was wonderful. Every day was a joy. It was a blessing. And the father, who I think was a psychologist or psychiatrist, was rather concerned about his two sons. They grew up and started to move into the world. How are they going to cope with life? So one day he decided on a project. He went to the local toy store and he bought every current with it local toy. And he delivered them to the son who was the pessimist in his bedroom. And then he went to a local farmer and he asked for a delivery of manure. And this manure was dumped outside the garden shed. And he said, okay, boys, go in your bedroom, go in the garden and play. Came after an hour into the bedroom of the lad who was the pessimist. And the boy was in tears, sobbing his heart out. He said, son, what's the problem? 
He said, Dad, I don't want to touch these toys in case I break them, in case I spoil them. I can't play with them because I might do something to them. He went out in the garden to where the part of the middle was, and his son was the optimist. And the son was jumping up and down with excitement. He was digging away at the mirror. He said, Dad, thank you so much for this. There must be a horse in here somewhere. <laughs> Prayer is so often the Cinderella part of the church. If I said that this Friday evening we're going to have a whole night of prayer, how many of you would come? Yeah. Unless you're working or have got children at home, you would only be sleeping Friday night. either we're really excited and energized by it, or we're totally turned off and bored by it. On one occasion, Jesus went into the temple at Jerusalem, and he was angry, because he found it full of market traders. It was like a bazaar. There were market traders, there were people who were exchanging money, and there were those that were selling animals so that people could offer the appropriate sacrifice for their sins. And the Bible says that Jesus took a whip and he drove out these money changers. He overturned their tables. Money went flying everywhere. He was righteously angry and he quoted an Old Testament scripture which simply said this, My temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. You have turned it into a den. He saw the house of God abused, misused, trampled underfoot. His whole purpose was lost and filled with a righteous anger. He drives them out and he tells them what the temple is supposed to be used for. In conjunction with this, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? That word temple is used in both those verses. If God's temple is to be a house of prayer and we are, the temple of God, then that puts prayer above everything else in our lives. Just a bit of logic by the God. You see, prayer is not like the spare wheel in your car that's used for an emergency. Prayer needs to be the steering wheel of your life. So let's have a little look together. What, what is prayer? How should we understand it personally and corporately? I'm going to give you five things this morning that you can just jot down and take notes of. Okay, first of all, prayer is about walking with God. It's about walking with God. 
In Genesis 3, verse 8, the Bible says, The man and his wife, that's Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Prayer is about a relationship with God. And without that relationship, our prayers can be kind of sanitized religious ritual. Words that sound appropriate, words that sound pious and the right kind of form, but lack any real reality. Many of you will remember the awful tragedy that is now called 9-11, when the Twin Towers in New York were destroyed by terrorists. Candice and I have been to the top of one of those towers before that time, and it's quite an amazing experience. But there are all manner of reports that came and there was one report that I remember hearing where people were, were fleeing for their lives, trying to get out of those buildings. And one person said, what is the prayer that we should be praying in this situation? And many people feel like that when they're in trouble. They, there's a natural desire to pray, but they don't know how to pray because they don't have a relationship with God. Prayer is about a relationship. The Bible says, how can two people walk together unless they're agreed? How can you walk hand in hand, side by side, unless you're agreeing on, on where you're going in the direction of travel that you are going to take? Now, before sin entered the world, Adam and Eve enjoyed a relationship with God where they walked with him. Can you imagine their conversation? I guess they looked at the stars and said, God, they're incredible. And then I can imagine they, they talked about different aspects of creation. And, and then maybe they said, God, we've had so much fun today naming the animals. There was an animal with a massive great nose, and you know what? We came up with the word elephant. And then there was another animal that was up a tree. It was very ginger, and we didn't know what to do. So we just threw a lot of letters together, and out came this word orangutan. I don't know what it means. But can you imagine the conversations they had with God, talking about naming the animals, the wonder of every single flower, the exquisite taste of all the fruits in the garden that they were enjoying. And I'm sure Adam complimented God on the Amazing woman that he had made for him. You guys are not silent. <laughs> How often do you thank God for your wife? Slightly once. This amazing woman that God has brought into your life. Some of you have got a smirk face, you know. You should be grateful, guys. Adam couldn't manage without her. God said, it's not good for this guy to be on his own. It's not good when we're on our own, guys. And God said, I'm going to give her a helper, someone who will come alongside. If you're married today, you have an amazing person who is a gift of God as your helper. But I'm not preaching on marriage today. Okay, so prayer is about walking with God. That's where it begins. A couple of things that are important. It's about enjoying his presence. God wants us to enjoy being with him. Back in 1646, 
A group of theologians got together from England and Scotland and they worked on coming up with a way whereby the Church of Scotland and the Church of England could become more conformed and become better at working together. And they wrote something that was called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And one of the lines in it was simply this, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Did you know that God wants you to enjoy him? And the way you enjoy somebody is by being with them. And our prayer is about the relationship with God where we're working with him on a daily basis. That was his heart and intention way back in the beginning with Adam and Eve. And we find that Jesus did exactly the same thing because in Mark chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus appointed 12 disciples or apostles and he said he wanted them to be The first priority of prayer is about being in his presence. This is what God wants with us. It's about first and foremost being with him. Is God always running after you because you're too busy? See, the Bible talks about the need to be still and to know that he is God. And sometimes we live such rush and busy lives. I remember a prose a number of years ago, and I'll just read it to you. It's about being still. It's not the rush and the busyness that makes me important. It's not the success or achievements that give me significance. It's not the people I meet and mix with or the relationships I make that tells me who I am. Neither is it the influence and the impact I have on others that makes me who I am. I'm only what I allow God to make of me. I'm only what I allow God to take of me. I'm only what I allow God to put into me. And so I need to take time to be still. For it's when I am still that I stop. I stop running after the things of this world. I stop running to keep pace with this world. I stop running to be someone in this world. But when I am still, I can know God. When I stop, my striving cease. Being stilled by his presence is the ultimate place of rest. When it's there in that moment that I can know God, then I can really know who I am. We live such rush lives. And for us to be in God's presence means that very often we've got to slow down and be still. But not only does God want us to enjoy his presence, but of course he also wants us to carry his presence. Paul talks about us being the fragrance of Christ. Have you ever been near a lady with a lovely perfume and you kind of, that's rather nice. Sometimes I go up and ask, can you tell me the name of that perfume? Because I'd like to buy it for Janice. Or Janice might say, can you tell me what you're wearing? That smells really nice. We understand fragrance. It's special. We like 
pleasing fragrances. And, and the Bible tells us that, that God wants us to carry his presence. And when Jesus called the disciples to be with him, he then sent them from him to preach, to carry his presence, to bring his transforming love into the world in which they find themselves. And the Bible tells us in Acts that people took notice of those disciples because they've been with Jesus. He carried, they carried his presence. So prayer is firstly about walking with God. But let's think about something else. Prayer is also, of course, talking to God. A national survey some years ago came up with the number one cause of marital breakdown, and it was this. We stopped talking. That's what countless couples said who had a breakdown in their relationship. We stopped talking. That was the number one reason. When a couple stops talking, a relationship begins to die. You cannot have a relationship where silence reigns. I like what Joyce Meyer says. She says, prayer is simply talking to God like a friend and should be the easiest thing we do every day. So are you on good speaking terms with Jesus? Have you talked to the Lord today? Or is there nothing on your agenda? Did you know that God actually likes you? Some of us struggle to like ourselves. But God actually likes you. He likes hearing your voice. He likes listening to you. He's never bored with you. He never tires of hearing the same things that you tell him over and over again. He never switches off to your voice. Janice often catches me out. She tells me things and then a bit later she'll say, what did I say to you? And I think, oh dear, I'm in for it now. No, not really. But I kind of have that glazed look where I appear to be listening. It's a man thing. You appear to be listening to your wife, but you're not really taking it in. God is never like that with us. He hears everything we say. He's interested. He takes it in, even when if we say it over and over again, he never switches off to your voice. He's always eager to hear whatever you've got to say to him. Why? Because you are his child. I've always enjoyed my children talking to me. I love it when my grandchildren talk to me. There is a special bond, a beautiful relationship that we share. And God is no different with you. He loves to hear your voice. He loves you completely and will never be any different towards you. Let me tell you this. Nothing you have ever done has stopped him loving you. And nothing that you will ever do will change his love for you. Pete Gregg, the founder of the 24-7 prayer movement, he says this, your relationship with God is at its best when you talk to him about trivia. Just everyday, ordinary, normal stuff. An attitude of gratitude grows from a daily conversation with so, does your conversation word count with God need to increase? I believe it does for us. So prayer is walking with God, it's, it's talking to God, but of course also it's listening to God. 
Isaiah said, the Lord has equipped me morning by morning. He awakens my heart. He opens my ears to hear his voice. Thank God that in order to hear him, we don't rely on hearing aids. But there's a sense in which God wants to get our attention every day to hear the things that he has to say to us. And recognizing his voice can take time because God will speak to us in many ways. The way God speaks to you might be different to how he might speak to me. He will speak through his word. He will speak through other people. He will speak through a quiet whisper. He will speak through thoughts in your mind. God will speak to us in all manner of ways. And sometimes it takes a time to recognize those different ways and how he will particularly speak to you. And we have to train our ears to recognize his voice. But remember this, God will never ever say anything that is contrary to his word. God will never say anything that contradicts with his truth. He is always consistent. So a couple of important questions. What is God saying to you today? That's why Peter and Leslie going to Albania for this conference. It's really critical that we give time to sense what God is saying nationally and internationally because we want to be a people who are in step with what the Spirit is saying. How does God want you to be his mouthpiece? God can actually speak through you, but you've got to listen first of all before he can speak through you. I picked up a book off our bookshelf the other day and I opened it. Said to my darling Janice, on my trip to Bentley, October 1983. I thought, I haven't been there. By the way, Gerald Williams. He used to be the, the top presenter of Wimbledon on BBC. Uh, some of you older folks will remember him. Lovely question, darling. And he shares his story of his faith and how that he grew up in a very nominal situation. He didn't know Jesus, but then came to know Jesus, then encountered the Holy Spirit, and his life was transformed. And he was in a conversation in a house one day, and in this house there was, there was a lady who was going on about these charismatics who waved their arms in the air, and they kept getting excited, and she couldn't understand it. She thought it was really quite improper, and we shouldn't behave like that in church. And so Gerald said to her, well, the arm waving ought to be a sign of a person's release from self-consciousness and inhibition. Did you raise your arms this morning? Or did they stay, your hands stay in your pockets? I bet every single one of you, if you went and watched your football team on the terraces and they still have got your arms would be straight up. Yes? That's worship. That's worshiping the goal scorer, worshiping the team. Very occasionally I'll do it in Southampton. Silas thinks he does it more often for us. <laughs> He said it's a sign of a person's release from self-consciousness and ambition. 
out of their sheer love for God. But of course, it can just be a show. Just as lighting candles and burning incense can be a show. I mean, if you wave your arms about on Sunday and then go out with someone else's husband on Monday, it's all a sham. But God knows the truth. Surely he's the only one who can judge a person's sincerity. The woman he was talking to suddenly lost interest in the conversation and soon made a lame excuse and left. I suppose she decided I was another religious fanatic and she didn't want to waste her time. But my host looked on open-eyed. I believe you've been sent here from God, she said. What on earth do you mean, said Gerald. You don't know what you've been saying, she continued, with her hand over her mouth in disbelief. Why, what's going on? What are you talking about, asked Gerald. You don't know what I mean. You don't know. About what? You didn't know she was going around with someone else's husband. That was God speaking from Gerald without Gerald realizing that God was speaking through him. How does God want you to be his mouthpiece? How does God want you to be his voice of hope and healing and help to your community, to people around about you? Or sometimes just amazingly to a total stranger speaking God's word, maybe of conviction, or perhaps of hope. Rachel Hickson written a wonderful book recently called Spiritual Architects. It's all about us being a prophetic people coming out of pandemic. And she says this. She says that God is sharpening our hearing so that he can make us his mouthpiece and carriers of his message. This is a listening season, a time to hear. What is the Holy Spirit saying to us as a church? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you as an individual? What is the Holy Spirit wanting to say to this nation? We need to be people who are learning to hear what God is saying. And Paul says something that I really love in Romans 8 verse 15. He says, the resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who he is. And we know who we are, father and children. What's next, Papa? That should be our heart's cry. God, what's the next thing you want to say to me? I'm listening, I'm all ears. What what is it you want to speak into my heart so that I can speak it out to someone else? It might be that you need to journal. And begin writing the things you believe God is saying so that you learn the way in which he communicates. But let's have ears to hear what he's So prayer is about walking, talking, listening, but also prayer is about interceding for others. In Ezekiel 22, I remember stumbling over this verse when I was in Bible college and it's never left me. God says, I look for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not destroy it, but I found no one. This is the lament of God. This is God's heart feeling broken. 
The context here in Ezekiel 22 is that the leaders of God's people were abusing and deceiving them. They were leading them away from God rather than towards God. And God's heart was broken because they were not being taught his truth. And God longed to woo them back. That's always God's heart to draw us closer to himself, to draw us back to himself when we wander away. But there was no one who would come before him on their behalf. Maybe there was a time in your life when you walked with God. Maybe there was a time in your life when Jesus was your priority, but other stuff was going away. God wants to draw you back to himself today. That's his heart for you. And this is his heart at this time during the prophecy of Ezekiel. Going back previously, you had people like Moses who interceded on behalf of the people when they'd done terrible things, when they'd sinned. Moses would say, oh God, please have mercy, don't destroy them. And here's another similar situation. God says, I'm looking for someone to, to stand in the gap. But I couldn't You know what Peter says in the New Testament? He says, you are a chosen special people. You are a group of royal priests, a holy nation. God has brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now you must tell others of the wonderful things he has done. A priest goes before God on behalf of someone else. That's what priestly ministry was all about in the Old Testament and in the scriptures. But Peter says, that's what you are. If you know Jesus, you're a priest, and you need to exercise your priestly ministry. You need to come before God on behalf of others. Moses did that. Paul did that. Romans 10, God, I want Israel to be saved. He was always praying for them. Jesus in John 17, he prays for his disciples. He prays for you and me. He prays for the world. That's an amazing prayer of intercession. God wants us to be a people like that. How do we do this? Well, the Bible tells us we can't do it in our own ability. Just reminds us it's through the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, but we don't know how God wants us to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that can't be put into words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, and the Spirit pleads for us in harmony with God's own will. We can be powerful intercessors. Through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This nation needs your prayers. We really do. That's what 2 Chronicles 7:14, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, I will heal. And then this nation needs healing. Europe needs healing. You know what's going on in Ukraine. And God's heart is for the nations. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. Your community needs your prayers, your family needs your prayers. Do you know whenever we sing that fabulous song, I speak Jesus, I speak Jesus to my family, and I have an immediate vision of different folks in my family that I'm speaking Jesus over, and I guess you did the same. We can pray as we sing. We need to constantly be bringing before God. Those who don't know Jesus, we have to stand in the gap for them. 
We've got an encouragement group as a church. And if you're a committed part of this church, then you're welcome to be a part of that. That encouragement group is to encourage, in case you didn't realize. Not to air out personal views and beliefs and things. It's about encouraging one another. And the greatest way we encourage one another is to pray for each other. And so often I'm like, well, please pray for me because this, that, or oh, something's happening. Pray for my friend. And it's just brilliant. We have upped our day in prayer, if I can use that, through this encouragement group. I really believe we have. So don't clutter it up with stuff that's not really relevant. Make sure that whatever you put on it encourages us, builds us up, but inspires us to be a church that continues to pray. Remember also that our intercession is a spiritual battle. Teresa read to us this morning out of Ephesians 6, we're not fighting against humans. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. We are in a warfare against forces, authorities, spiritual rulers of darkness. The war that's going on in Ukraine, do you know who's ultimately behind it? Not the security. It's Satan. Because Satan comes to rob steal and destroy. He will ruin every single life by any means he possibly can. There's a spiritual battle going on. And we need to get this in context so that when we pray, we're not praying against people, but we're praying against the forces of evil that Satan is unleashing upon the world. And we can stand in the gap. Do you know why? Because Satan trembles but the weakest man or woman on their knees. He hates it when we pray because he knows that prayer is powerful. And that's why a church that prays, a church that constantly is on its knees, physically, metaphorically, however you describe it, a church that's constantly interceding will be a powerful church. And the forces of Satan will be pushed back. Okay, finally. It's walking with God, it's talking with God, it's listening with God, it's interceding for others, but also it's reigning with Christ. Prayer is reigning with Christ. Scripture says, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Whenever you pray, you pray from the position of victory. Did you know that? Sometimes we can feel we're on the back foot. We're defeated, but whenever we pray, we come from a position of victory. That's the promise of God's word. How do I know that? Well, Romans 8, verse 34 says, For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is now seated in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. What does that tell me? It tells me three things. First of all, Jesus has died for us. So I don't have to take the punishment for my sin. Jesus has dealt with that. I'm forgiven because of the blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross. But also, Jesus rose for us. Death has been conquered. I don't need to fear tomorrow because Jesus has conquered the power of death. And today, Jesus 
lives for me and he pleads for me. He is constantly praying for you. He is constantly praying for me. He is constantly taking our prayers and bringing them to the Father. That is the ministry that Jesus had. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Why? Because he reigns forever and ever and ever. Please stand with me as we just end this morning. I just thought to give you a very simple overview as to what prayer is all about. We enjoy a vitalized prayer life because of the personal work of the Holy Spirit. And these five areas are what we need to understand that is this prayer. So, Father, we just want to thank you for the privilege of prayer. Thank you that it's powerful. Even a whispered prayer always reaches your heart. Nothing can stop that communication that we have with you. No one can stop us because it is a work that happens through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, just teach us. May our prayer life increase. May that walking with you, that talking with you. Lord, will you give us a greater understanding of what you're saying? We want to have ears that clearly hear what you're saying. May we be people, Lord, who see increased answers to prayer every day so that we can rejoice together with all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening so well.